Hey, bookworms. Welcome to the Picky Bookworm Podcast. I am so glad you are here. I am the Picky Bookworm, and I love bringing recognition to indie and self-published books through book reviews, proofreading, and podcasting. Every Saturday, I get to talk to a member of the writing community, from book bloggers to authors and even other podcasters like myself. I'll include a link to my website where you can leave a comment with your thoughts on the show or questions for the author that I may not have gotten to. You can also find information on how to sponsor this podcast. Ready? Grab your tea, wine, or laundry, and let's get to it. This episode is sponsored by Eliza Stops. Eliza is the author of the Paige Parker Mystery Series. They are available on Kindle Vela. The first book, The Disappearance of Susanna Dane, is available in its entirety, and the first three episodes are free. This young adult mystery series follows Paige Parker, a high school senior on the Oregon coast. When her best friend goes missing, she will go to any length to find her, even if it means digging up the past. I highly recommend that you head over to Amazon and sponsor this wonderful author the way that she has sponsored me and this podcast. I am so grateful for every single one of my supporters, including my listeners. Thank you guys so much. Uh, Thank you all. And I hope you will go and help support this wonderful author. Thank you again. This episode is sponsored by Caroline Fleur. She wrote the book Destiny and Other Dilemmas. You can find it on Amazon in Kindle format and paperback format. Here is the blurb. Brooke Stern seemed to have the perfect life until she didn't. After an unexpected turn of events that shook her marriage of 15 years, she must navigate her new normal as a single independent woman. Juggling her son's food allergies, her demanding career, and growing interest in a mysterious man, she's determined to restart her life and find a clear path ahead. When she finally reclaims her courage, she is confronted with the harsh consequences of her choices. Any step forward is a potential risk as she tries to make the best decisions for herself and the future of her family. That is, if destiny doesn't step in and decide for her. Based on that, I think I need to own that book as well. Um, I will include a link to the Amazon so that you can purchase this book and support the author just as the author has chosen to support this podcast. Thank you, Caroline, and thank you, Chris. Uh, You can find her book in the show notes as well. Thank you both for supporting the Piggy Bookworm. Hey everybody, I am with Grant Cole today for the podcast. We are going to be talking about his book, uh, Somali Blood. I believe it's a series, um, but we will get into that um, in just a minute. And um, he's got a couple fun stories for us, so we're going to get right into it. Hello Grant, how are you? Doing good. Thank you for having me aboard today. Oh, absolutely. I've had had you scheduled literally for months. Um, I, back in January, um, I I think you probably remember, I had sent out a request saying, hey, everybody, I just started a podcast, and here's going to be the layout of my podcast. And I had 
a bunch, I had a huge response. I had a bunch of authors and bloggers and readers and bookworms and all kinds of people um, say they wanted to be on the podcast. And so I came up with a schedule um, of what, um, how I wanted my podcast to be um, and how often I wanted to record and scheduled everybody back in January and then around June realized that that probably wasn't the best idea because I started having people forget that they had scheduled to be on the podcast. So, um, you know, we live and we learn, right? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I did remember that uh, you had asked me about it and that I had uh, replied in the affirmative. So I just, you know, it, matter of fact, I had just thought about it a couple of weeks ago and I thought, I wonder what that ever became of that. And yeah, I didn't want to be nosy and everything and uh, look you up, but I'm glad you called me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I had, I was using a um, bullet journal at the time instead of a regular planner and um, had, you know, written out my schedule and uh, sometime around, I want to say around April or May, um, I had decided, because what I had done is I had gone through and I had decided I was going to record the the first three Saturdays of the month and then give myself a week break every month. And, you know, in a week, in a month with five Saturdays, I would record the, the three middle uh, Saturdays and, and, you know, and give myself right. a break and, um, it did not quite work out that way because I realized just how much fun recording the podcast was. Right. <laughs> and so I started, um, you know, and it's, it's actually a really good thing that I scheduled the way that I did because, you know, then I was able to, you know, move in people that I didn't know back in January. You know, I had those those few extra weeks that I was able to either create a wait list or um, add in additional people that I hadn't met um, yet back in January. So it, it actually has worked out quite nicely uh, the way that I scheduled. Um, I do back in April, I believe it was, or in May, I had somebody scheduled that couldn't get a hold of him, couldn't figure out what was going on, sent him multiple messages, and, you know, was getting kind of, you know, getting a little upset that I had been stood up until I noticed his age and decided to Google found out that he had actually passed away in April. Ooh. Yeah. And I was like, okay, well that, yeah, he gets a pass. We're good. Um, and so it's, you know, it's definitely been an interesting journey. Um, I always hesitate to use that word. Um, I, I feel well, like it's overused. Um, yeah, it's, you know, it's definitely one of those live and learn kind of situations. And, um, you know, but I definitely, uh, I've learned a lot this past year. I definitely met some really amazing people. Um, and I 
I'm very much looking forward to getting to know one more. So let's let's get into your book uh, just a little bit. Um, I noticed you had actually sent me um, a DM saying that you had just gotten back some <clears throat> um, Pentagon edits um, on your book. So what is your book about and why did you need to send it to the Pentagon for approval? Well, uh, most directly I work as an uh, editor-writer for a defense contractor and I work with an army office. And because of the nature of my work, anything outside that I write has to get pre-publication review by the Pentagon. And uh, 11 months after, about 11 months after turning it in, I did in fact get uh, the approval along with 12 pages of edits. So it was, uh, it was like, hallelujah. I was glad, you know, you know, I, under, I understood the delay because of COVID and everything and being short-staffed as most places in the Pentagon were in, in the last year or so. But uh, it was good to get that behind me because it delayed a lot of things because any query letters I sent out had to say, well, I'd like to get this published, but I'm still waiting on approval from the Pentagon. Yeah. Well, and but, that... You know, and, you know, unfortunately, that probably um, turned some uh, turned some agents and some publishers off the book because they wouldn't know when it would be able when it would be available to publish. And, you know, so that, yeah, that probably caused a lot of friction uh, between you and um, some agents and some publishers just because of that well, delay. It was. Uh... That was okay. You know, I, I was used to rejection. And it, but, you know, it, I've gotten, you know, dozens of rejections, which is okay, because it only takes one. Right. And, you know, the right, the right agent and the right publisher is out there. It's just a matter of being patient and waiting for their arrival. And it was originally, I originally wrote it as a really, really long one book publication but one agent who rejected me said you know you really need to think about breaking this up into smaller books and marketing it that way which I did which I indeed did do and it is a trilogy now of three books one uh, book one is the gathering storm book two is um, death and darkness and book three is Light and Shadows. Okay. And so you know, uh, the journey to this point began about 12 years ago when I had the same dream three times in the same week. And I thought, well, crap, I need to write this down. And it turned out that the scene that I was uh, dreaming about turned out that it was best in the middle of the book. So... Unlike probably most authors, I didn't start writing the book at the beginning. I wrote, started writing it in the middle. And uh, it was a series of questions. Where do I go after this scene, this major scene in the book going forward? What brought the people and the characters during this scene 
where did they come from? And so it kind of expanded out both ways. And it's been an interesting journey since 2012. Uh, Actually, COVID um, probably kicked it in the rear and put it into high gear. Because uh, when I started working from home in March of 2020, the, uh, I had a whole lot more time on my hands, you know, you know during non-work hours. Yeah. And so, so um, with the help of some friends uh, and suggestions and edits, uh, it really took off from there. It turned out that each book is about uh, 70 to 71,000 words per book, and it's worked out really well. Good. What um, What is the first book about? Because if we if I ask about the second two books, then you risk spoilers, and obviously we don't want to do that. So, okay, what what starts the story off, and and why um, why do you think people should read your book? Well, it's in uh, near it's in the near future world of the year twenty forty five. And it, so it gives me a little license to uh, imagine things as they might be at that point for the United States and for other countries. Most of the book takes place in either Somalia, Kenya, or in the Washington, D.C. area. So um, it, you know, the two main characters are Robert and Lori Evans. Robert is a, uh, you could call him a cubicle drone who has a, who is a reserve naval intelligence officer. And while he's on his uh, two weeks of summer duty, he's working as the administrative backup to a uh, higher rank officer who is in the Indian Ocean. But this officer dies in a uh, pretty straightforward helicopter crash. So the mission he was on there was only one other person that could possibly pull it off, and that turns out to be Robert. So they have to pull him out of his cubicle at the Pentagon and send him in a rather uh, hurried fashion to Somalia. Oh, fun. Yes, and at the same time, his wife is a uh, works on Capitol Hill for the House Intelligence Committee. He's deputy director, and it, as it turns out, she's got a rather SOB boss that she works for, and I can't say anything more about him. <laughs> but um, then they both work for a rather politically and morally bankrupt member of Congress. Ah. And so there's a lot of um, problems with that, and Lori ends up working with a FBI agent to uncover a, a jihadist mole on Capitol Hill. Fun. And who coincidentally is the, the mole's contacts are the ones who are after uh, some Americans in Somalia. Okay. This is kind of in maybe the tiniest bit of ways reminds me of Jack Ryan, the Tom Clancy, I think the Tom Clancy character. Um, 
just in in the smallest of ways. It's not um, it's not so much so that it makes it not unique. Um, and that's you know I'm fairly positive anybody who's listened to <laughs> this podcast for longer than you know five seconds uh, knows just how much I adore a unique story. Um, and that is probably the biggest reason why I gravitate so much towards the, the self-pub and the indie, um, arena, um, is because you guys, you know, you create these stories, not, not because a publisher is telling you this story will be marketable, um, but because it's a story that you actually want to write and it's a story that you want to tell. And that's amazing to me. Um, you know, another, another thing that a lot of people know about me is, um, I, and I just totally lost my train of thought. Wow. Okay. We're going to move on. If I remember what I was going to say, I will say it a little bit because, wow. Um, it literally, in the middle of my sentence, everything just went kaput. Um, I don't know what happened. Um, so why, um, you know, I know that you mentioned your, mentioned your job. Um, did the Pentagon have to approve your book because of, they wanted to make sure that it was accurately portrayed or was it just because your job with the army just because of my job with the army okay uh, anybody who works you know even though technically i work for a defense contractor uh, my ultimate employer in the chain of command is the army and they have to approve if i write anything outside of uh, something for them then they have to approve it. And so that's why it got to that point. Is it to make sure that you're not, you know, accidentally selling secrets? Exactly. <laughs> I gotcha. Oh, that, yeah. that actually, it makes a lot of sense. Um, I did have one other question. Uh, when you mentioned that your book is set in 2045, did you go back in um, once COVID hit? Did you go back in and add... Um, a few details um, to your books regarding COVID uh, to make them seem more accurate, or did you just kind of leave it how it was? Kind of left it how it was. Uh, I think COVID may be mentioned in passing just as something that had happened decades before, but uh, it's more looking forward, and you know, the book has, uh, oh, everything from a... Um, classified uh, space station, which plays a key role in the book and worked in tandem with a uh, artificial intelligence computer that's part of our uh, base on the moon. Okay. And so because of, you know, they kind of hide it in plain sight. And then on the ground, uh, there are weapon systems that are available now that I just kind of thought of and took it several progressions forward as far as uh, robot soldiers, unmanned vehicles, uh, and those sorts of 
Okay. Cool stuff. Cool things. <laughs> cool, yeah. Um, we definitely like the, the cool weapons and um, all of that kind of stuff. Um, so, do you read um, books in the same uh, genre, like the same sort of military, thriller, political um, arena, or do you prefer the more escapist type books like fantasy? Both. Uh, I do I do some, you know, like Tom Clancy, of course, is one of my the best authors out there as far as I'm concerned, and so I've always loved the Jack Ryan character. But the, you know, then I also do alternative history, which kind of leaves some things to the imagination, and but it has the grounding in uh, factual history. So, and then also I do a lot of uh, military and political, uh, I guess, histories would be the best way to put it. Okay. Yeah. Have you um, have you watched the Jack Ryan uh, show on Amazon? Oh, yes. Yes. I've Looking seen... Looking the next season whenever it gets, uh, gets going. I, I have seen the first season of it, and, you know, surprisingly enough, I thought John Krasinski was probably the best choice that they could have made for that character. Dis- I have to agree. Despite his normal um, comedic history, um, you know, I thought that, you know, just from the very beginning, uh, you know, just from the pilot, you know, it was John Krasinski as Jack Ryan. That was just how it was. It wasn't... You know, I've seen other TV shows, um, there are several um, that I could come up with, where the main character, I was like, well, they're, yeah, they're okay, but they, you know, the Hunger Games trilogy comes to mind, uh, the Shadowhunters series comes to mind, you know, Hunger Games was made into movies, it wasn't made into a TV show, but, um, you know, the, those characters from the movies had to grow on me, um, rather than me looking at them and going, yep, that's it, done. Um, Shadowhunters, I still can't do it. I, I watched, I watched the series through, I think it was season two, maybe season three, I don't quite remember. I watched with my husband who had not read the books. So my husband is sitting there. He is enjoying this TV show immensely because it, you know, for a TV show, it was well done, but I had read the books. So I'm sitting there going, okay, she doesn't look like Clary. No, he is not Jace. Yeah. He makes a pretty good Alec. She is, you know, I just, you know, and then they, added stuff and had poetic license and, you know, did all of these things. So I have spent almost the entire TV show yelling at the TV and informing my husband that that didn't happen. They didn't do it that way. This never happened at all. I don't know why, you know, it's just, it was one thing right after the other, but Jack Ryan was just not like that. It was just from the beginning. It was John Krasinski is Jack Ryan. There's no person that they could have cast better as far as I'm concerned. Um, well, I have, 
I had the same sort of issues when I uh, read and reread the book World War Z. You know, I thought, man, this is really a great book. It needs to be a movie. Well, you know, when Brad Pitt's movie came out, it was a great movie, but it was nothing like the book. And so I had those same sort of, well, you know, why didn't they do this or that? Or, you know, this could have been, you know, it should have been this way according to the book. But, you know, it is what it is. So. Yeah, and, you know, they they do that a lot. Um, you know, when you go from book to movie um, and the, you know, I watched... What movie was it? Oh, again, oh my gosh. I am just, my brain is like a sieve today. Um, there was one movie that I watched that it was just not even close. You know, I hear, you know, the Harry Potter movies um, specifically um, that they just didn't translate well from book to movie. It's, you know, you for most people it's you love one or the other right luckily for me i've never enjoyed jk rowling as an author i think she's immensely boring <laughs> just for kids books her her style of writing was just not my cup of tea right love the movies i those movies are like my comfort movies i will watch them just about any time but i did not enjoy you know, I've read, I think, one one book um, out of the whole series. And, you know, there was one scene that was in the book that I felt should have been in the movie. But that was it. That was, you know, other than that, I'm like, the movies are good. I will watch the movies. Please don't make me read the books. <laughs> um, Lord but, of the... You know, you know what, what, one thing, I think, when people hear me talk about, you know, the... Uh, near future 2045 world, you know, you know, things in space, things on the moon, robots and all that. That's just a side issue as far as I'm concerned. It gets people, you know, to, I guess, involve people more in the book. The real issues in the book are human. Yeah. You know, the main character, Robert Evans, you know, is a cubicle drone, but you know, he's forced to think and act outside his comfort zone and outside the box to survive. And he has help along the way from a Marine Corps sergeant and uh, other Marines on the ground. Uh, Lori Evans, uh, she knows she's got to take matters in hand to help save her husband. And she's helped along the way with a, uh, by an FBI agent and I asked him, you know, well, how could they, you know, do what they're doing and help catch the, the bad guys? And I remembered back from history, there was something called the Culper Ring, uh, which operated in New York City during the Revolutionary War. Well, I resurrected that. And these are surveillance specialists. And so they help uh, Lori Evans, and then they end up uh, helping a... Um, CIA black ops interrogation specialist named Mr. James. They help him in Nairobi, Kenya, uh, catch some bad guys. And without giving away any more of the plot, there's that. 
but it's very it's very much the human element and you know characters that engrossed me and at one point i don't know if i should tell this or not but one of the main i'll just say that two of the main characters had to be killed off because it was um because it was in my in my view you know it was necessary for the plot I hated doing it actually, you know, because I'd become so involved in the characters and I actually had to take a break from writing for about a week or two because I was so upset that I had to kill them off. Oh no. And then I ended up finishing, I ended up finishing the book and in the words of Forrest Gump, that's all I've got to say on that subject. It just, I had nothing more to write and it just, you know, that's how, that's how I, you know, I didn't want to keep writing for the sake of making the book longer or anything, but it was just like, I'm done. So, so would you consider your book to be more character driven or more action driven? Yes. (laughs) In a a manner of speaking, it's, it's both. Um, The character, I would say the characters drive the action because it's the decisions that they make that um, I would say, I wouldn't say force the action, but um, mold the action. Okay. And, you know, the, the elements that are available in 2045 are only there to propel the, the plot forward and get the characters to the what I would call the final confrontation on okay so why do you think the listeners should read your books why because you get wrapped up in them you become invested in characters you uh, it at one point it bam takes you into high gear. You know, you've been kind of cruising along, learning about the, the characters, and then all of a sudden, uh, they go, the action goes into warp drive, so to speak. And it's nonstop, um, you know, like the second, the title of the second book, uh, Death and Darkness. It is exactly that through the remainder of the action. And then towards the end of the book, there are resolutions for the main characters. Uh, where do they, where do they end up in life? And so, it's a good read. Okay. According to the people who uh, helped help me uh, edit edited it and gave me suggestions. So, are you are you planning to self publish anytime soon? Um, if you're unable to find an agent or publisher, or are you going to hold out um, for the publisher? Or are they already right now published? I'm going to hold out for the agent and the publisher. Okay. So no, we... uh, I want to hold out for the agent and the publisher. And then if, depending on how long I hold out, then go for a um, self-publishing route low cost. Okay. So we, um, 
really, really, really want to read your book, but we can't yet because <laughs> they're not out yet. Um, but that um, they do definitely seem like um, my kind of book. Um, I love, uh, you know, my preferred genre is usually fantasy, um, but I definitely go for the occasional um, political slash military thriller. Um, I read a book um, a, a while back that it was um, called Black Flag. Um, and I don't remember what the main character's name was, but it was very much a military thriller. Um, it was about a man who uh, worked for a secret black ops um, agency inside the military um, known as Black Flag. And he was a basically an assassination. Uh, this was the unit that the government went to when there were um, enemies of the United States or um, terrorists or anything like that that needed to be taken care of permanently. Uh, this unit was the one that they called. And he had um, retired, you know, basically retired from the unit uh, because he had met a woman and had fell in love with her and um, got married. And uh, he was recruited into one last assignment. And um, right after his last, you know, right after this assignment, he um, was... Uh, his life was put on the line and he basically found out that him and I believe it was either four, four other people or seven other people. I don't remember for sure. Um, but there were, um, a certain number of these terrorists slash enemies of the United States that had basically all died at the same time to the minute. Um, because this unit, they had recruited these retired people for this one last job. They all think that their one last job is the only one. They find out that there was multiples and they were all intended to die um, so that there was no trace yeah. of what had happened. So this guy manages to foil their attempts to kill him Um and kind of in Jason Bourne-like fashion, goes on a rampage trying to find out what is really going on. Um, and, you know, that's the, you know, if I'm going to read a military-type political thriller, that's the kind of thing that I like. And um, your book sounds just right up my alley in that respect. So um, I hope either... Either direction you go, whether it's, you know, traditional publish, you know, indie published or self-published, I really hope it gets published soon because it does really sound like um, it's going to be um, a book that I'll really enjoy. So, um, and I know that there's a lot of other um, listeners out there as well that um, they're probably scratching their heads going, why is it? I want to read it now. <laughs> So, um, hopefully, hopefully we'll get it soon and, um, definitely, um, we'll definitely enjoy it when it does. Um, so what are you reading right now? Um, 
and would you recommend it? Um, reading, I've uh, been gravitating towards Harry Turtledove a lot as an alternative history, and he does a fascinating series called uh, On Atlantis, uh, Opening Atlantis, you know, and so on and so forth. And it uh, basically is the east coast of the United States set in the middle of the Atlantic before you ever get to what is North America in our timeline. Okay. And uh, so it's interesting. And, you know, you, you see the character, you know, there's the George Washington type character. There's, uh, you know, you know, the trade, you know, the Benedict Arnold character and so on and so forth. And then uh, there's also a book called 1901 by Robert Conroy about a, in the aftermath of the Spanish-American War of 1898, the Germans decide they want our possessions that we took from Spain, but they go to war with the United States in 1901. And there is... Uh, that book and everybody from Teddy Roosevelt to other fictional characters are involved and it's really it's a short good read okay um so that is let me see if I can uh write this down just real quick that is 1901 by Robert Conroy correct okay and the other um what are some titles by Harry Turtledove that you would recommend uh Opening Atlantis is the first book in the Atlantis trilogy. And then uh, he also does a book called In the Presence of Mine Enemies that is, um, it's a what if uh, the Germans had won World War II. It's kind of depressing in the, to put it mildly. And so that's a... Uh, Another good read. Okay. Um, okay, so I have 1901 by Robert Conroy, Opening Atlantis by Harry Turtledove, and what was the third one? In the Presence of Mine Enemies by Harry Turtledove as well. Okay, yeah, I'm, ty- I'm typing these into the chat so I don't lose them. Um, sure. By Harry Turtledove. Okay, um, well, I am, I'm going to mention, um, the book that I'm reading right now. Um, it was, it was sent to me by, um, an author. He had, um, requested a review several months ago. Um, I am, I'm such a mood reader that I am terrible at reading books that authors send me in a timely fashion. I'm, I'm terrible at it. I admit it. I own it. <laughs> and I apologize for it on a regular basis because I, I'm just, I'm truly terrible. Um, but I, you know, I finished, uh, Connor's Gambit, uh, by Z Gottlieb, um, a couple of days ago. And, um, that is a, it's a really interesting science fiction book. It's got the space, it's got the aliens, it's got the spaceships and all of those things. Um, 
and I, I actually enjoyed it so much that I'm buying it for my mom for her birthday. Luckily, oh, cool. she doesn't listen to the podcast, so it's totally, it's totally fine. I can tell you. Um, but her, yeah, her birthday is Monday, so she had she had told me she said any book that you think I would enjoy, knock yourself out. And I was like, well, the book I'm reading right now is actually perfect for you. So there we go. Um, and it's, you know, that book was really interesting. And um, I switched from that book uh, where I'm in space and, you know, a, a human has just learned that there are aliens and he has been recruited into... Um, a, you know, by his wife of all people, um, into helping these aliens fight other aliens. Um, really an interesting take on your typical space voyage type science fiction book. Really interesting. Highly recommend it. Totally awesome. But he switched from that <laughs> to a book. It's called Dark Blue. Um, I don't remember the author. Ter Told you. Terrible. Um, but it's called Dark Blue, and it's about these two young men that one of them can see ghosts. And he actually meets the other one um, while he is in a coma. And his spirit is hanging on literally by a thread. Um, and so these two kids meet... Um, and you know, in the prologue, they meet and they become friends. And then in the main part of the story, they have grown up and are now, um, paranormal researchers for a TV show. And wow. right. so, you know, one of them can see ghosts and, um, you know, so he's like the, the technical, part of the of this paranormal research tv show i'm not very far into it but i can tell it's gonna be really interesting read um i don't typically gravitate toward um the ghost stories um but this one doesn't seem like it would be very scary so i i'm really interested to see where the story goes um I'm really looking forward to writing my review for it um, so that other readers can get my thoughts. Um, I'm, I'm looking I, forward to reading your review. Yeah, I'm not I'm not very far in the book. I've literally, I'm like in maybe chapter two. Um, but um, with all of my proofreading projects, um, unless I... <laughs> Unless I'm watching TV with my husband and I hand him the remote and say, ignore me, I'm going to read. I don't get a whole lot of pleasure reading done in, like, big um, uh, swatches, for lack of a better word. Brain, like a sieve today. I don't know <laughs> what is going on with me. I cannot put words together today. Um, I had that problem before myself. Oh, no my worries. gosh. Um, can't even blame it on my age because I'm only 40. So, geez. Um, I just, every once in a while, I have those days. Um, I'll be sitting on the couch with my husband, funny story, and I will start to say something to him. 
And like earlier, I'll be in the middle of a sentence and I will forget where that sentence was going. It'll literally just leave my head. Um, can't even blame it on my age. It's not, it's not fair. It's not fun. Um, so let's, let's move on. What are three books that you, other than the three that you have mentioned, what are three books that you would recommend to our listeners that are similar to your book? Because oh obviously, you know, because obviously if they're, <laughs> if, well, if they're, the reason that I do that, I have a reason for it. Your books aren't published yet, but obviously there are going to be listeners that are, they're going to listen to your descriptions of your trilogy and they're going to be like, okay, those books are right at my alley. What are some other books that I can read in that, in that field in that genre um and maybe even subgenre. <clears throat> well i would have to say tom clancy comes to mind first of all uh, the books that were less uh, about the technology and more about the human element come to mind uh, i'm thinking in terms of uh rainbow six which he uh wrote for uh, well, the main character was John Clark who was one of uh, Jack Ryan's uh, oh I wouldn't call him a friend but co-worker and then uh, oh let's see here I know it's not I know it's not a uh, exact match there's a book by Stephen Ambrose called Pegasus Bridge, which uh, takes place uh, during the D-Day landings. Uh, true story, but the you know, where he could have gotten wrapped up in the military action and this, that, and the other, it's very much got the human element to it. Okay, you said um, Pegasus Bridge. I'm so Bridge. Bridge. Okay. Right. And by Stephen Ambrose, who's the uh, he's he's the one that wrote the uh, Band of Brothers that was made into that amazing miniseries. And then, I could go to my bookshelf right now if you wanted me to. <laughs> <laughs> but, oh gosh, let's see here. Put me on the spot. Probably World War Z. Just because of the you know, the, the pace of, you know, some of the, uh, the action takes place and there's elements of uh, near future involved in it. Okay. Yeah, I'm just, you know, other than that, it, there's nothing, there's nothing a whole lot like it. I mean, the main characters are, you know, Robert and Laurie Evans. He's helped in the field by a Marine Corps, a grizzled Marine Corps sergeant named Lane Thompson. And then uh, Laurie's got to contend with her, um, jerk of a boss and the uh, amoral representative that they both work for on the committee. Uh, Lori's also helped by an FBI agent named George Towers. Then there's the bad guys. Um, one is head of a jihadist group in East Africa. 
and the other one is a black market is black market arms dealer known only as Marcel. And then yes, and then there is my favorite character for which make me feel conflicted is um, Mr. James, the um, CIA interrogation specialist. And he ends up getting help from a Washington Post reporter and uh, other such people during his search around uh, Nairobi for the, the bad guys. And then there's other, you know, there's other, you know, side characters and locations, including, I'm going to probably get this pronunciation wrong. In Djibouti, there's a U.S.-run military facility called Camp Lemonnier. It's a real camp, a real facility that uh, is our big base in East Africa. And nothing I'm saying is classified or anything like that. You can, you can Google it all. And yes, you can look in Djibouti. And yes, there is that facility. So there's... Um, so there's not a black box like you would if you were... If you Google Earthed uh, Area 51. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know, there's actually YouTube videos about people who got that are getting transferred to this camp about their facilities. And I just took it a, a step further and expanded the facility. And then there's also, you know, my favorite side favorite uh, character is a uh, foreign legion, French foreign legion sergeant named Bruno Steiger, who ends up having great respect for uh, Robert Evans and gets to meet uh, Laurie Evans at one point as well on a, uh, for a good reason. So that's where it's at. So, um, oh my God, my brain. Um, what are, you know, as somebody who is, querying and has been writing obviously for a long time what is something that you would tell a a brand new author what is a piece of advice that you would give to somebody who is still working on their debut book or has an idea but has not started writing yet don't start querying yet until you know i i, I would say you know wait till you've got at least a, a rough draft that's been proofread by somebody for going forward because the agents and publishers are very specific in what they want as far as uh, in their queries. And every one of them is different. No two queries, uh, you know, they use forms and other things like somewhat double spaced, you know, five pages of text. Others want the first 50 pages. And then some wanted in PDF only, some wanted in Word. And, um, you know, I've even had people, you know, line and a half RTF um, documents only. And if you're not in, you know, I tell always when you do get to the point of querying, be very careful about making sure that you, you know, each individual query that what you send them is exactly, and I mean exactly, what they want. Because they're looking, you know, for any excuse to dismiss it. And, which is not a good, which is not a bad thing. It's just what, you know, they get, I'm sure they get inundated 
yeah. by um, manuscripts. So they've got to be that way. And, you know. Just one more reason for me not to be an author. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, like I did, like I needed another reason. I, I really yeah. didn't. Um, I, being an author has just, it's never been my goal in life. Um, you know, I, um, you know, never really even had decided that I wanted to be a proofreader until, you know, a few months ago. Um, and that was, you know, a lot, a lot of that had to do with meeting self-pub authors and, and really seeing a need out there for affordable, detail-oriented proofreaders. Um, and that, you know, and that actually came out of um, reading a book for review uh, for a good friend of mine, uh, Brandon Reader. He had uh, sent me his book, The Pact, and, you know, I'm reading his book for review and I'm noticing a lot of, a lot of errors in his book. I'm, you know, unfortunately, um, it, for self-pub authors, that's, it, it's going to happen because a lot of, a lot of them don't, they don't have the budget for proofreading. Um, and you know, so I had uh, messaged him and I had said, you know, I had asked him if I could uh, proofread his book for him, you know, on me as a free sample um, in return for a, um, a testimonial for my website. And he had answered back and said, you know, yeah, I, I would love that. Um, and But he had had three other proofreaders that he had paid money to for proofreading his book and three other people. And I had still found errors mm. and, um, you know, so to me that that spoke of a need in that particular area, um, for detail oriented proofreaders that are going to actually read the book that aren't going to just run spell check or run grammar check or run it through Grammarly um, or anything like that, but that would actually read the book and make sure that it was, you know, to, to a degree that a normal lay person reading the book would be able to read and enjoy it without being inundated with you know, tiny little errors, not even, you know, his book wasn't, they weren't even big, huge editing errors. They were just, you know, a comma here or a misspelled word there, or, you know, something that if someone had actually read the book, they would have caught it. Yeah. And, well, you know, I had, I had, um, you know, like you, I, or like this gentleman that you're talking about, um, you know, not a fine, not a finite budget, a uh, non-existent budget. And, you know, I was able to uh, make use of uh, several people that I acknowledge in the front of the first book, well, in the front of all three of them, actually, that uh, helped and uh, found, you know, not only, you know, 
I wouldn't say grammar errors, but uh, you know the, the misplaced commas and so on and so forth. And then uh, one of them found a plot hole that I've become so involved in the writing that I had just totally missed it. Yeah. And so they helped me with that. And so yeah, there's there's a need out there. Yeah. So. And you know, and it's to me, it's not it's not fair. Um, that proofreading is so expensive, um, you know, because if you're choosing to self-publish your book, you know, you're automatically just by putting that label of self-published on your book, you are automatically running the risk of people not reading your book because they're going to assume that it's just inundated with errors everywhere or it's bad quality or it's badly written or it's a bad story. Um, you know, and unfortunately for the longest time I was the same way. I, you know, would see a, a free or a 99 cent book on Amazon. Yes, I would buy it because the story sounded awesome. Um, but I would automatically assume by that cheaper price point or by that label of self pub that I was going to be dealing with errors. I was going to be dealing with a bad quality quote unquote book. And that's not fair. It's not, right. um, you know, authors, they need to be able to put out the best quality book they can for their budget and you know by offering proofreading services at an affordable price I'm helping the the books that I work with I'm helping those books be the best that they can be and that that makes those books it makes it a little bit more fair um, because you know these people who are buying these books they're going to get the best product that they can for their money and you know that's that that's what's important to me um rather than charging the 20 to 25 dollars per hour that a lot of proofreaders do um that's insane um while i'm sure it's worth it um it's out of budget for a lot of people and right. you know that's just you know proofreading needs to be affordable um for a lot of different budgets and a lot of different price points so we are almost at a time i can i cannot believe how quickly this hour has gotten gone it's been an hour it has been 55 That's minutes great. oh wow okay <laughs> um okay so what is one final piece of information that you want our readers to, readers listeners to walk away with from the podcast if they want to ask me questions i can uh i've got an email address of info.somali.blood at gmail.com uh, there's a website uh, called somalibloodthebook.godaddysites.com then there is a uh, twitter feed which i am most active on and that is at Somali Blood Book. 
and then a Facebook page called, and you can reach that from Somali Blood D Book, one word, and then an Instagram page at Somali Blood the Book as well. And I have a YouTube site, which has got a long and involved address, but if you uh, search for Somali Blood the Book, four different words, uh, it should pop up. And okay. I, off my uh, iPhone, I did some uh, different videos to explain the different chapters in the book and the technology involved in the book, the military forces for the Navy, Marine Corps, and Foreign Legion, uh, the locations of Somali blood, which range everywhere from Washington, D.C. and Alexandria, Virginia, to Diego Garcia in the Indian Ocean, and Somalia and Kenya, and so on and so forth. Okay. So, you know, that'll get, that'll get people excited, I hope. Okay, so if, um, you know, if people just Google Somali blood, most of this stuff will probably pop up, correct? Uh, yes, I would put the book on it as well, because when okay. I Google Somali blood, um, entries about Somalian, you know, the Somali people giving blood popped up as well. Okay. And so uh, I thought, oh, that's interesting. So I had to put the book on it. Okay. Differentiate it from uh, other entries. Okay, awesome. Well, again, thank you so much, Grant, for coming and talking about your book and discussing other yes, books. Well. And um, it's been a a very quick hour. That was um, that was really interesting. So I appreciate you coming and, and visiting, and uh, I will talk to you on Twitter. Okay, and when the first book comes out, I would uh, like to give you a, a, a copy of it. Um, we will, we'll discuss that at the time. I don't normally, well, I, I don't normally accept free copies. Um, oh, okay. So, that's fine too. (laughs) Um, but I would love a signed copy. So even, even if I have to pay a little bit extra, uh, to you and, and get a signed copy, I'm starting a collection. I have a shelf on my bookshelf uh, for my signed books. So um, definitely we will discuss that um, when your book gets published. All right. Okay. Thank you. Thanks, Grant. Have a wonderful day. You're welcome. You too. Bye. Bye.